This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. You're listening to our Ketuanan Pengundi or Voter Supremacy series in collaboration with Bursi. This series explores six key reforms that the Coalition for Clean and Fair Elections is championing to empower voters ahead of GE15. On the sixth and final episode, we discuss the need to bring back local government elections. Joining me on the show today to discuss this is Jeffrey Pang. He's an ex-co member of the NGO Gabungan Tindak Malaysia. He also works very closely with Bursay on this particular issue. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Jeffrey, let's start by understanding our structures um, first, as it is uh, in its current form. Malaysia has three t- uh, tiers of government, federal, state and local government. What are the roles of each of these governments? Yes, uh, these three levels are very important. Starting with the federal, uh, the federal deals with things that are of the national level, uh, things like defence, health, uh, education and all. Uh, these are all done uh, through the federal and they pass laws in the parliament. So uh, the federal government actually uh, you know, guide the whole nation by passing good policies and laws and that will create a favourable environment for Malaysia itself. Whereas on the state government, uh, things are different. These are looking after a more local vicinity of the state. And uh, mainly the state uh, will administer through their local government, which the PBTs, we call that the local councils, the city councils and daira councils and all. So the state actually uh, will come out with uh, policies and all that are good for development of the economy and the well-being of the people on a state level. So some of the things that are federal, the state uh, do not deal with it. But the state have a very important power that is the overland. So uh, anything to do with land, the state will be the one that will have the final say. And even the federal have to cooperate uh, with the state. Uh, last is the local government. And this is one uh, that affects uh, the people directly. The services that they offer, you know, cleaning of the rubbish, the roads and all those. Uh, uh, these are what is done by the local government. And the difference right now is the federal, we have uh, election, state, we have election, but local government, we used to have election, but now uh, all the councillors are actually appointed. So uh, no, there is a problem sometimes uh, when there is a working between the federal, state and local government. Uh, when there were times uh, for many decades, uh, federal, state, local governments all under one government. But now some of the states are by opposition. So you find that sometimes the cooperation may not be there and that affects the people directly. Right. So let's get into that a little bit deeper. Um, Before we hone into KL specifically, because that's a unique beast of on its own, um, let's look at other parts of Malaysia, right? Um, We vote for our MPs and our aduns. Um, but time and time again, um, Bursay and many other civil society organisations have said that this is insufficient, that we need to dem- democratise more and bring back local government elections. Why is it important that we bring back local government elections? Yeah, in a simple sentence, uh, no representation 
or no taxation without representation. <laughs> uh, that, that's a keyword on that. Right. So uh, you'll find that the councillors that are in charge of the policies of the local councils are no longer elected and they are actually appointed. And these appointees are normally political appointments. So, um, Jeffrey, just to interrupt there for one second, right? Just yes. um, when you say councillors, um, for people who may not um, understand what that means, what, what do you mean by councillors? Are you talking about like MPPJ? Um, are you talking about mayors? Or are you talking about senators and things like that? Yes. Uh, every local council have a couture and the city council is the mayor. Mm. And uh, of course, the mayor uh, in passing policies, uh, needs uh, the councillors. Normally, there's 24 councillors in a council. And these are equivalent to directors of a company, right? So they are actually the final decision-making body over there. And uh, of course, they also have a department called OSC, One Stop Centre, where the councillors are also present. And that is the final uh, point where they approve uh, development projects. So they are appointed uh, by political parties and all the different parties, you no, know, of course, were you know, be in the same council itself. And you no, know, the way they cooperate is quite important. So earlier on, when it was under one government, uh, everybody followed the thoughts of that government itself. Uh. But uh, later on, uh, I think two zero zero eight onwards, and uh, when we had uh, the PH ruling, uh, they brought in NGO councillors, you no. Know? And these NGO councillors were actually appointed uh, by the political parties, but they are actually NGOs. And they represent a sort of a counterbalance voice uh, to those political appointees. Uh. So unfortunately, uh, all this has uh, eroded really, and everything is back to uh, elect, uh, appointed councillors. So the difference is uh, if we have got appointed councillors, then uh, it may not be so efficient because appointed councillors their responsibility is towards the political party or their political masters that appointed them. So the interest of the political party comes first and uh, not uh, the public. Although they do profess the, that uh, they take public uh, interest into account. But there is no representation by the beneficiaries itself. Lah. So uh, this has uh, proven to be a conflict of interest. And uh, we, we find that no, uh, people that are not from the same area are appointed as councillors, you know, and it's like a training ground right now for uh, budding uh, potentials, uh, uh, politicians. So usually they become a councillor and then later on they will become an adun and become an MP. So it's a whole political machinery instead of a, a proper system where the interest of the riot is put uh, ahead of political interests. Um, to understand this a little bit better, right, if the people do not elect our local governments across the country. Um, so let's say, for example, um, you know, right now, let's say if I'm a resident in PJ, you know, I get two ballot papers, one for the Adun and one for um, for the federal, um, for parliament at the federal level. Who appoints the the lo- the the, the, the bandas and and the mayors and and all of that right now? Is it um let's say in Slang in the case of Slango because Slango is a PH government, so does that mean that PH the state government appoints all of um, these um, people themselves? Two ways to look at it. Of course, if it's under PH, uh, PH will have a say about uh, 
who the mayor should be. Uh. Right. But uh, that could also be sometimes uh, uh, a difference of opinion mm-hmm. because all of the mayors are government servants and they are under human resource uh, ministry. Right. Uh, okay. And uh, they, they regulate uh, government servants and they, they will post people from here and there. So sometimes the department heads are posted to a different place and all, and it could be quite disruptive. Uh. But uh, here they try to work with the state government. And of course, if they are on the same side, uh, there's no problem. Uh. But if they're opposing side, there may be you know, uh, problems on associated with that. You know, non-cooperative ones that are working to undermine each other, that kind of thing. Uh. So it becomes a sort of political thing. But uh, right now, mayors are appointed by the government. Uh, with uh, some say by the state government as well. Right. So, some have made the argument, right, Jeffrey, that, you know, when we ha- if you want to have local government elections, that means it's going to be another elections in a time where people don't even like elections and there's, you know, disenfranchisement, disillusionment among the people. Uh, people, some might not see... Why is this necessary when there is also that argument that, you know, we go, we vote for our federal government and our state government and whoever they want to appoint, let them appoint. It's more efficient and things like that. How would you uh, respond to these types of arguments? We deserve the sort of government that we get if we do not take action. And I, I think this is the major problem that we face in Malaysia. And that is, uh, people are, tend to be very apathetic instead of empathetic. So one of the things that are missing uh, is that uh, governments, local authorities should conduct more citizenship education. Uh, citizens should be part of the whole process. But unfortunately, uh, no, these are kept aside and the people themselves are no, very laid back. So there is a very important uh, thing to do that we must have local council election so that people become more empowered, take more interest in the things around them, know that they are empowered to make changes instead of just complaining. So I think the public has been, uh, no, a lot of a complaining, whining kind of a lot, but there's a lot of uh, people in the public itself that could be very effective counselors. No, they are professionally qualified and all, and they got interest of their local area, uh, most in their mind and they are not accountable to the um, political masses so to say the other thing is uh public governance you know that when you get approval you need the federal authority you need the state authority finally <laughs> it is the local council that approve a project and that is why uh there's a lot of reluctance uh, uh when one become a government to introduce local council election because then you have got an independent group of people that will be monitoring you. Right now, if you want to pass a project, uh, you just tell your councillor whip. In every council, there's a whip for the party. Uh, they will just follow the whip, no, without question. So this is a conflict of interest. Uh, and uh, as you see how our cities are developing, uh, you can see that this governance structure is really uh, causing a lot of problems which is why there are some areas uh, where you find a real waste of time, but uh, no, the people are just protected against development. Uh, in Bukit Kiara, you can see uh, that no, things are always having to fight over and over again. No? Right. So 
uh, every government that changed, you have to fight again. So I think it's wasting the productivity, but it's a structural problem. No, we do not have the representation and uh, we are not accountable to the public. Instead, we are accountable to the political parties. So yes, uh, we are facing a lot of voting. I think some people are getting uh, voting fatigue, but it is our responsibility uh, uh, to each make sure that we are aware of what's happening and to vote. Uh. I want to also ask if this will sort of make things a little bit more systematic, the, the implementation of local government elections. And what I mean by that is right now, People don't know who exactly, and it's no fault of the people themselves. People don't know who exactly they should hold accountable if there's a pothole in front of their house, if their longkangs are clogged in front of their house. And they always end up calling the MPs to Turun Padang. And obviously, it's not, not wrong. In, in fact, it should be encouraged for MPs to Turun Padang and, and you know see what's happening on the ground. But it always feels that you know, MPs are, tend to be judged and evaluated um, on pothole problems rather than their policy stands and, and their crafting of policies in parliament, which should be the role of an MP. Do you think that once we have local government elections, people can will have to, will be able to detach that a little bit more? That means you judge your MPs for the policies they craft in parliament and you judge your local councillors and your, your local governments for, you know, whether it's pothole issues, longkang issues, deforestation issues and things like that. Yeah, uh, this is a very interesting question. Uh, MP is meant to draft national laws. No? So they're coming down to look after the needs of uh, the rakyat uh, on local matters like longkang and all. Uh, shouldn't happen, all right. But at this moment, when the service uh, delivery mechanism is not there, MP have to go down so that they know what's happening. Uh, the responsibility fall onto the Adun. He's the more local one. He's under the state. The state controls the local authority. So effectively, it should be done that way. So we have the same thing. If you cannot get the MP, you get the Adun. And the Adun will try to get the counsellor to solve it out, or else he will try to solve it out as well. So it gives them a lot of picture opportunities. Eh? So <laughs> they are walking around helping with the longkang and, and you know, the potholes and all. Right. But this is not their job. Uh, why do I say that? MPs shouldn't be disturbed with all the local things. It should be done by the Adun. But right now, they will lose the vote if they don't go down. So we are wasting their time doing that. So let's come to the Adun. The Adun should be the one working through the local authorities and solving the problems of the people. All right. But there is a misunderstanding of the role. They tend to look at longkangs, take photographs, but they forgot that the role of Adun is to make sure that the state forces a good system on the local councils. Right. And the councillors are meant not to address longkangs, but to make sure that the delivery system is good. So if I am going to the PBTs or the local councils and I get my problem solved through the Adwan system and all, that is fine. Every time I go over to the Adun, the Adun should realize that they have failed in their duties. So it's a systemic and structural change 
institutional reforms at the local council level that they are responsible for. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't see very much being done in that area. And that is why uh, local councillors should be elected, not appointed. On the show with me today is Jeffrey Pang of Bursay. After the break, I ask him if Malaysia needs to decentralise more powers to the state and local authorities. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and you're listening to the sixth and final episode of our Ketuanan Pengundi series in collaboration with Bursay. On this episode, I'm joined by Jeffrey Pang of Bursay and we're talking about the need to bring back local government elections. So, Jeffrey, I want to get a little bit of a brief history lesson from you because there was a point in Malaysian history where we used to have local government elections, a third vote, if you will. What happened? Actually, our third vote has been there even before um, Merdeka. Mm-hmm. I think in the 1952, we started the local government ordinance empowering local residents to establish local councils. And then after that, uh, when everything was going on, we had this confrontation with uh, Indonesia. All right. And uh, they you know, forced a closure and suspended local council election. Uh, I think they were having a lot of problems with local council election as well. And uh, no, some opposition parties were winning it all the time. You know, so it was a good time to suspend it. And it was supposed to be a suspension. It will be reintroduced again. But after that, uh, they have stopped doing that. So uh, since then, they also have uh, get a Royal Commission of Inquiry. And this is a very famous uh, inquiry to say, is there a purpose for local council election? Do we really need it? So this one was conducted by Senator Atin Nahapan, and it's called the Atin Nahapan Report. And uh, they recommended and said that local council election is essential for local democracy, for effective running of the council. But unfortunately, uh, no, it was not heeded. And up to today, uh, it is still uh, off the books there. No, everybody get uh, selected and not acted. So the mechanisms, everything was there. But uh, the culture of local council election is there, but they put a stop uh, in 1965. Now, one of the narratives, it's a pretty toxic narrative that has been pushed out over the years and used as an argument against local government elections is that local government elections would marginalize the Malays. What is the rationale behind this government and how would you respond? Yeah. Uh, I think politics is a very uh, perception kind of game where people create the perception. Uh, I think uh, there were some opposition parties uh, uh, that say that that play up the racial card. Uh. But uh, in answer to that, there is this uh, 2010 national census that says that there are 148 local authorities. There are three city halls at the time and 37 municipal councils and district councils 99. How many of them are Chinese majorities? Only two or three percent. And that is 2010. Now, 12 years later, 
the population of the Chinese have grown so small, you can see that, uh, no, that is no justification in the kind of argument. So it's actually a racist kind of uh, argument and a racist plan, not backed by the data. The data clearly show that uh, it's all, all right. No, they are not in the mi minority. But in spite of that, uh, we are wanting a good person to be looking after us. No, whether it's a Malay, a Chinese or Indian, it doesn't really matter. As long as we play the racial card, Malaysia will not progress. So, no, uh, there's no justification in that kind of argument saying that no, they will lose power, that kind of thing. It's not about power anyway, it's about serving the people. Absolutely. Now, something that can actually be backed by data um, and economic um, sort of um, perspective is that having local government elections, which is another elections, um, would cost a lot of money. How do you, as, uh, as someone who is in favour for local government elections, how do you do the cost-benefit analysis in this? How do you justify that, yes, it's going to cost you know, millions of ringgit if you do it on a national level, right? Local council elections everywhere, but yet it is still worth it. You will judge it by the impact on the people. At the end of the day, if local councils are well run, the people live in a better, cleaner environment and more sustainable. So what is the cost? The cost was estimated at $2 million per PBDs. And uh, in 2021 December, the Housing and Local Government KPKT Minister Datuk Siri Rizal Marikan, he says that it costs $302 million nationwide. Is a pittance compared with the sort of inefficiencies, the lot of suffering that the people are getting, 302 million is really a pittance on that. So you do not look at the cost of it, which still I say is uh, not a lot, but the consequence of it is high. When you get a land that's approved for development and is a retention pond, you will get things like silly mudder and all, where the people lose all their sufferings and their properties as well. How do you measure that in terms of cost? So uh, I think it's wrong to look at just the cost because at the end of the day, I think the check and balances are very important. Now, Jeffrey, I'd like to zoom in on KL specifically for a while because the city is unique the territory is unique. It's in a unique position because as of now, people in KL and other federal territories get to vote for their MPs, but they don't have a state government um, or aduns in that sense, the same way whether it's a Selangor or Johor or Malacca or whatever it is has. What does this mean when we translate it to what goes on on the ground? Yeah, this again will be summarized with, uh, you know, power corrupts, <laughs> absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Right. You have two missing layers of governance there. We do not have an adult. We do not have councillors in the KL side. So does that make our MP taking over the job of adult and councillors? The MP doesn't have very much voice over in uh, DBKL. The absolute power will be in the mayor, 
and the FD minister. And when that happens, uh, even when PH took over and we have a, a FD minister over there, the amount of complaints that go up there was tremendous. And on top of that, I do not see that they empower the MPs to be part of the decision-making process. So I think when power goes into anybody, even a good person, it corrupts. So it is very important that we build up these governance structures so that we will be discouraged from exercising or abusing our power. So at this stage, uh, no, our powers is too centralized. Yeah, which brings us to the question that when we do uh, local council election or have state elections and all these things, uh, the government, federal government, should start to devolve powers uh, to the state. And then, uh, of course, things like even education, roads, and all those uh, overseas uh, are taken care of by the local council. Even health is taken care of by local council and, and education. So they have got to start devolving uh, power so that without concentration of power in one person, there will be good check and balance. But right now, local council election is important because that brings in a new layer of governance called public governance. We have got corporate governance that tend to be you know, always uh, avoided by the people. But public governance will have another layer that you will have a check and balance. So local council election in that way is also part of the process. What would mean? What would this mean for the Ministry of Federal Territories? Because right now, as you rightfully pointed out, um, yes, like for example, we we elect MPs in in KL in the KL region, but fundamentally, like a lot of the decision making comes from the Ministry of Federal Territories, um, which is part of the cabinet which don't even need to be someone from the federal territories. It can be someone from anywhere. The, the prime minister can just appoint whoever he wants as the ministry of uh, federal territories, which we have seen happen in the past. So if we do have local government elections in the federal territories, what would that mean for the ministry of federal territories? I, I think politically, uh, Kuala Lumpur and other uh, major cities, uh, have always been sought by opposition. <clears throat> and uh, I feel that the FT ministry was created uh, politically so that, <clears throat> that, that it's a way of tipping the wings of the opposition over there. Uh. So that, uh, that is a political angle. But uh, in terms of implementation uh, with the FT ministry, too much power is given to the FT minister and the people are really upset about that. So the FT ministry should be abolished. And right now, uh, we did a manifesto riot. There was an overwhelming uh, outcry that the people want local council in action. And the people in KL that I spoke to uh, would like FT ministry to be abolished. It's just a very bad governance structure. And they should have a mayor that is uh, elected. Also have all the aduns and uh, councillors there. As different levels of governance. Yeah, so after ministry, we feel that it is uh, an obsolete and not a practical idea. Does Malaysia, uh, how, how do we get there? Um, before, because, because you brought up the, the manifesto, right? Yeah, so 
how do we get from this point where we are today to the ideal situation or somewhat of an ideal situation where we have local government elections and all of that? What is required? Is it is it a constitutional amendment? And what role do the people play in getting this changed? Yeah, first of all, the legal side of it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there is uh, no need to change the constitution. The constitution is already supportive of the local council election, uh, except that the act that was uh, abolished uh, uh, should be brought back. And uh, I think previously uh, under Zuraida, uh, she was one that was pushing for it and they prepared a draft uh, act to be implemented. So it's a matter of passing the act and then we are back into action already. No, so nothing very much legally to do. No constitutional change and just a political will of wanting to bring it back and sharing power and empowering the people instead of, uh, no, even the last layer, the politicians want to hold it. What, what can the people do to make this a reality? Yeah, to have a better nation or to solve this problem that we're talking about, we are really talking about uh, citizens having a need to get involved. All right. And getting involved means that you have to do your responsibility as a citizen to be aware of what is going on around and to I think currently people feel justified that their votes don't mean anything and because of that I don't need to vote. Right. So these are the kind of attitude that is uh, causing the problems up to now that brought us to this area. So uh right now there's a manifesto riot where the riot have come together to tell all the parties uh, that this is what the riot expect. Of course, uh, uh, no, the party themselves will give a manifesto and they will try to imagine uh, what the riot wants. But here we've got a riot manifesto that says that this is what we want. Uh, but you can see that the manifesto have not even come out. All the candidates are announced, but the manifesto is still not out. So it's really a second... Uh, a second thought, maybe a, a sales brochure need a bit of refining. Uh, all right. Uh, now is the time where the people must take action. And with the manufacturer, Raya, we also have got an MP profiling uh, software this time that will compare and let you know the background and profile of every candidate that's standing for election this GE15. So earlier on, the people can complain that I want to vote, but I don't know who he is. I don't know what. So simply vote. But, but no. Now, with the platform provided, they must read and decide for themselves who is a good uh, MP. We need 222 MPs. And uh, with these 222 good MPs, doesn't matter which party they come from, they were out of their own goodness and principles, uh, gathered together to look at the interests of the people. So uh, I think the people should come first. Uh. But... It all depends on the people right now, whether they want to take the effort to learn about things, know who the MPs are, and vote wisely. Uh, I think that with the cooperation of the people and the government, uh, things will improve a lot. Now, before we wrap this conversation up, this has been a very important series that we've been exploring on Ketuanan Pengundi. What can you have a? Would you have a final message for us um, on this final episode of the series? Uh, what should people think about heading into GE15? Yeah, uh, heading into GE15, 
the people should be looking for people-centric, principled, and honest politicians. People-centric meaning that after they get elected, they will not go away and say that I will take care of the problem. They must know how and have the ability to work with the people. So I think if you can see China, they have removed poverty by the millions. And what they have done is they harmonize their political system with the social system. That even the political parties uh, is like an NGO working on the ground to get feedback. I, I think we need a, a modification of this whole system now. And right now, I think it is the people that will give the political will to the politicians. So it is the people now that have got to elect properly. And then after that, for the next five years to monitor their performance, to engage with them, work together with them and help each other to build a better nation. The people cannot be uh, left aside and only be advertised to, sold to during election itself. It's the ongoing process and we need that to climb up again for Malaysia. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Jeffrey. Thank you very much for having me. That was Jeffrey Pang, an ex-co member of Gabungan Tindak Malaysia, and he's also working closely with Bursay on this issue. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Ketuanan Pengundi on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.